Welcome to Thoughts on the Social World, socialworldpodcast.com, sponsored by David Niven Associates. Your host is Dave Niven. Welcome to the Social World Podcast. I'm Dave Niven and this is episode 16 in the series. I'd just like to say before we start that I'm really delighted that uh, the number of countries who uh, have people in them listening to us has gone up to about 36 and 23 American states. And this month already in February, we've actually picked up more listeners in some of the other countries uh, that have just joined in. So although we had listeners already in Turkey, some more have joined us from Indonesia, from Singapore, from Senegal and Vietnam. So a warm welcome to all of you. Let us know what you think of the program. Now, we should have today had an interview with Diona Hooper, whose uh, intended interview couldn't be completed due to a technical problem somewhere across the Atlantic. And I'm not sure if it was our side of the Atlantic or Diona's side of the Atlantic or wherever, but Diona's the founder and and editor-in-chief of Social Work Helper. And she's a web designer, a social media strategist. She's an analyst and... She's just an all-round professional person who's uh, been been blogging now for a long time, runs the Social uh, Work Helper, which is a publication that has been um, full of a whole variety of very interesting professional and profound work. Now, uh, Diona has kindly uh, agreed to leave us a speak pipe message, which we'll play to you in a moment, but uh, this is just an anticipation of an interview that we will probably will do with her once the technicalities are sorted out sometime in the next few weeks. So um, thanks, Diona, for being patient. We'll listen to your SpeakPipe message. Hello, my name is Diana Hooper, and I am the founder and editor of Social Work Helper magazine. I connected with David through social media as a result of our shared passion for social work media and technology. We had every intentions of doing a full interview for his Social World podcast, but unfortunately Skype and technology did not cooperate with us. So he asked me to leave a brief message for you guys using um, SpeakPipe so that I could at least introduce myself and give you some information about Social Work Helper and give you my brief idea about social work and how we can engage the media. I created Social Work Helper as a way to have social work voices craft stories on today's issues. One of the things that I've always heard with social workers say when the media report on stories um, affecting us, that they're often negative. Um, Social Work Helper gives that opportunity for social workers to not just be the recipient of whatever news, but to craft it and write it from their perspective using their filters. And that's one of the things that I hope to talk to you guys more about if I have the opportunity to interview with David later. You can visit me at www.socialworkhelper.com. There we are. Thank you. Now, today... Um, the the intended interview, as I said, was with Diona, but we had such a packed program anyway that uh, I don't think you're going to lose out on content. Stalking. The crime of stalking. And 
it, it became a criminal offence in England and Wales on the 25th of November 2012. And about, they reckon about 1 in 25 women between 16 and 59 are a victim of stalking every year. Um, they, they also say that from the age of 16, stalking actually affects about 1 in 5 women. It's an enormous, an enormous problem. Now, the most common stalkers, as you probably would expect, are male partners or ex-partners. And it's very, very closely um, associated with domestic violence and abuse. Now, the, there's a thing called DASH, D-A-S-H, which is Domestic Abuse, Stalking and Harassment National Risk Indicator Checklist that's used by police forces and domestic violence specialists when assessing the risk of serious harm or the risk of homicide to victims of domestic violence and their children. And stalking itself now is a high risk indicator on that particular assessment process. It's also stalking behavior by abusive partners constitutes criteria for referral of the victim to the local what's called MARAC. That's M-A-R-A-C. It's a multi-agency risk assessment conference that's convened if um, uh, somebody is considered to be seriously at risk. Now, 76% of women murdered by a violent partner or an ex-partner were stalked in the lead-up to their death. And that's a huge statistic. Now... It's been recognised universally across countries that have legislated for anti-stalking laws that it's often very difficult for police officers and for criminal justice professionals to clearly recognise the boundary between legitimate and illegal behaviours. And sometimes, you know, well, taken in isolation, um, some behaviours might just seem unremarkable. They might just seem petty and small. But once you begin to build up that uh, jigsaw, once you begin to build that picture, people can quite quickly see if they're well trained, the pattern that emerges and the high risk that some women are, are under. And that's when intervention is important. And I think uh, this next statistic really sort of brings that home because it's, it, it's no, really accepted, I suppose, that on average a victim would experience about a hundred incidents of stalking before reporting it to the police. We've all come across situations like that. I know of people who've said to me, oh yeah, I had a feeling about somebody. They kept seeing them in the place. They, kept, they, they just kept turning up and I couldn't quite believe the coincidence, but I didn't have any real evidence that they were following me. I didn't have any real evidence that, that, that I was at any risk, but it did make me feel bad. It did make me feel uncomfortable. And then you ask, well, did you tell anybody about this before today? No, because I, I didn't really, I didn't really consider it to be a, a particularly risky situation. So it's situations like that. It's it's, it's events like that. It's 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 uh, um, people telling you things like that that really ought to trigger a red light, and you have got to got to begin to share it just to at least see whether or not your concerns have justification and to at least get some reassurance from people that if they have, you will be supported, you will be protected, they will be confronted. Now, another matter that we have to have a look at is, is the impact that this has on the victims. It's significant. 
it creates high levels of fear and anxiety. People often who are victims of stalking have difficulty eating, sleeping, socialising, concentrating, working or, and going out, even leaving their home. And many actually suffer mental health problems. They suffer depression or they even suffer symptoms of uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Some victims begin to self-harm and others, others even succeed in taking their own lives. It just becomes so acute, so terrible, so challenging, so fearful that they don't know what else to do about it. Many lose jobs. Many lose relationships. Many move house. Many give up studying. Many become isolated from family and friends. And as I said, their relationships break down. And it's even before physical injury, even before anything gets escalated, all the anxiety that builds up, the fear that builds up, the feeling of hopelessness, helplessness that builds up is just so bad. And this is, of course, without properly sharing. Now, David Niven Associates works uh, as a training agency, amongst other things, and I've been delighted to be involved with an organisation based in Swindon in England called Home Truths, who are a CADA-approved training agency, specialists in working with people and training people in aspects of domestic violence. And they've worked out this, what I'm talking to you about, they've worked out a training programme for agencies to actually look at the implementation of the new legislation and what's behind it, and also how people can become more alert, more aware, more knowledgeable, and more uh, helpful to victims. Um, now, that doesn't have to be police, although it's targeted a lot at police, but it also can be health professionals, it can be education professionals, and of course, social work professionals as well. So all of this can be tailored to whichever audience we're training. Yeah, of course it can, because everybody's got different aspects. Everybody's got different um, patterns of working with families and individuals, of course. But on the other hand, it, there are some general questions that it will answer that at the end of the day, um, all of us really would benefit from knowing from the basic, what is stalking, to how is it different to harassment, to what about cyber stalking? Because it doesn't all happen to have uh, happen to be physical or being followed around or being stood outside your house for days or hours on end. Online, cyber stalking is an enormously growing crime. And how to combat that, how to share that, how to deal with that, how to get protection from that is as important now, I think, as anything else. How to implement the new stalking legislation that I mentioned that came in in 2012. How to be aware of civil harassment legislation and how civil injunctions interact with uh, criminal sanctions to help keep people safe. Let's, we have a look too at the types of stalkers. Their different beliefs, their different motivations, what makes them do it. And so in a, in, a, in a way, the more we can understand about what makes different types of stalkers do what they do, 
can really help us interrupt it and challenge them, confront them, and uh, now, hopefully, criminally prosecute them. And when do their behaviours become criminal? At what point? When's the tipping point? When do they become a criminal, uh, a, a criminal event? And we have to, of course, as I said earlier, we have to look at other aspects of, of, of behaviour and of indulgence, if you like, that actually may well um, encourage people to stalk. For example, substance abuse or even mental health matters that actually um, force people to do behaviours that uh, they wouldn't possibly normally do. So... We then look into the reasons possibly why people do not report it. And if they do, how is it recognised, but also how is it received? And we know recently, certainly in England, that there's been a couple of cases, very high profile recently, in which people have been killed, women have been murdered, and they had gone for help. They had raised the alert with the police. They had told people that they were frightened. They had said, look, if this doesn't get challenged, if this doesn't get interrupted, if he doesn't get confronted now, I will die. And they have. By God, it takes something like that to actually push through a far more professional, sophisticated approach. But sadly, that's often the case. And then finally, we also look at the extended family, because it's not often the, the individual alone that suffers here. We're looking at the immediate family, the extended family, people's children, people's partners, yeah, but also the wider family and friends who all get uh, involved in this. And what advice can they be given to support the, uh, the victim? And what advice can they be given things not to do in order to try and stop it? But in order not to try and stop it themselves, they've got to have the confidence in the authorities and the confidence that the authorities are now up to speed, well-trained, and take it very, very seriously. So, look, I'd really, really like for you to come back, if you possibly could, to me on this matter. I mean, that's that's the thing. Use SpeakPipe or just post some comments uh, about this podcast. I mean... Ultimately, it's internationally recognised throughout the world that the countries that have legislated for anti-stalking laws um, effectively are now improving the recognition, are improving the police's um, ability to uh, challenge this and improving the understanding of stalking as a crime. It's a specific crime with a significant impact on victims and it can lead to homicide. So a good understanding of this and a confidence of how to respond to it by United Kingdom police officers and other agencies really should lead to an increase in successful prosecutions and an, improve, an improved safety. That's all we want, isn't it? Much better, much more safe streets, much more safe communities, much more safe individuals, and much more, um, what's the word? Well, just much more confidence in people coming forward, knowing that they'll be taken seriously, knowing that their help is there, and informed help at that. So, think about our training program as well. If you're within striking distance of us in Bristol, in southwest England, or anywhere in England, we can travel. But at the same time, 
just think about the subject matter itself and let me have your comments. Thanks very much. Well, that's another podcast. That's another day. Um, I, I'd like to just uh, shout out a few things for you, a few events coming up. Um, on the 4th of April, in Bristol, in the southwest of England, we're putting on a conference called This Is My Childhood, There Will Be No Other. And it's a response to the UNICEF initiative on the first 1001 days of a child's life from conception up to age about two. And the, if you like, the what's called the toxic trio, the domestic violence, substance abuse and mental health um, traumas suffered uh, in families and the impact it has on very, very young children and how professionals begin to untangle that, work with very young children who've suffered in any of these headings and who, or whose families in a sense have suffered in these settings and they've been forced to either experience it, witness it, or be totally affected by it in some way or another. Uh, there's an all-party parliamentary group that was set up and UNICEF sent senior representatives across from New York to um, the Houses of Parliament in November to um, kick-start this initiative. And the lead was taken by Dame Tessa Jowell, MP, who's a very well-known campaigner and a lead, I believe, in Parliament on this matter. And we persuaded uh, Dame Tessa Jowell to come to Bristol on the 4th of April, Ashton Court, and be the uh, lead speaker. And the rest of the speakers that day, I do assure you, are excellent. A fantastic panel, fantastic individuals, specialists in early years, specialists in early development, early behaviour, and looking at best practice, looking at ways to encourage professionals, both in health and social services, in, in education, and, and maybe even in law enforcement, in recognition of how damaged some very young children can be, how to work with them, how to ameliorate that damage, and how to hopefully give them a better chance in the future when they come to such vulnerable situations. So the 4th of April in Bristol. Now, coincidentally, Bristol also is going to be the venue on the 30th of April for the British Association of Social Workers England Conference. And... Uh, that's got quite a good speaker panel as well, if I might say. It's got the chief adult social worker for England, the chief children's social worker for England, and I am delighted to also have been invited to speak at that conference. So put that in your diaries. If you're anywhere near Bristol, anywhere near the south of England, on these days, the 4th of April and the 30th of April. And remember, too, that... I've always been passionate about media training. I've always been passionate about the use of the media, the good use of the media. Yeah, we can talk about reputation management. We can talk about the media in a crisis and how to manage that. And occasionally some of you will have to come across situations where that's needed. But mainly we really want to talk about how to get your message across, how to talk about your particular profession, your particular product, your particular company, your particular initiative, how to actually use the media to best advantage, how to give interviews, how to write press releases, whatever. And David Niven Associates is now offering this as a course. And um, it'll be on our website, and dates, will be, dates are published there. So have a look at that as well. Apart from that, that's the end of Podcast 16. 
Thank you very much for listening to me. Please let me have your feedback and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye-bye.